Good morning, church family. I hope you are all coming off a restful night of sleep after our wonderful Pilgrim's Progress event last evening. And thus, I wanted to be sure to thank Chris Young again publicly for her amazing work in making our Pilgrim's Progress night possible. For it truly was a blessing, not only to our church family, but to all the children in the community that attended. So again, to Chris and to all who helped out yesterday, thank you all so much for making last night such a special evening. Now, as for the sermon this morning, today is going to look a little bit different, church, because a couple months ago, I was asked to share a message at our denomination's annual conference, which takes place this upcoming week, concerning the topic, what it means for Christians to be faithful in the face of suffering, particularly in light of everything we see taking place in the world around us today, and particularly in light of everything that we could see be thrown our way as Christians in the not-too-distant future. Therefore, since this not only seemed like a relevant message for our BFC pastors and elders, but for Christians as a whole... The elders then thought that it would be fitting for me to share this message with you all this morning. However, here's the catch, church. I was only given 20 minutes to speak at annual conference. Therefore, what you will be getting this morning is more like a sermonette, if you will, that rather than a typical 40-minute Sunday sermon. Nevertheless, I pray that this sermonette or devotional will still be encouraging and convicting and edifying to your soul this morning as we as a church body consider what it means for Christians to be faithful even in the face of suffering. Which takes us now to our thesis statement this morning, church, or to the main theme of our sermon this morning, which is this. Christian, be faithful to Jesus Christ even unto death. For the crown of life that Jesus Christ offers will infinitely transcend any suffering that we may face on this side of eternity. Again, our thesis statement this morning is, Christian, be faithful to Jesus Christ even unto death. For the crown of life that Jesus Christ offers will infinitely transcend any suffering that we may face on this side of eternity. Thus, at this time, church, let's open our Bibles up to the last book in the Bible. Yes, not to the Gospel of Mark, but instead to the book of Revelation. As this morning, we will be looking specifically at Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, which can be found on page 1029 in our church Bibles, which are located in the chairs in front of you. So again, church, we are in Revelation this morning and not the Gospel of Mark, looking specifically at Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, where the Apostle John, he writes, And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, The words of the first and the last, who died and came to life, I know your tribulation, And your poverty, but you are rich, 
and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how comforting it is to know that whoever conquers in the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we will not be hurt by the second death. Thus, we have no reason to fear the first death, the physical death, because we will not be thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet and Satan will end up. But we will be forgiven of our sin, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ, and enter into paradise, a new heavens and a new earth, where we will dwell with our God forever, where he will be our God and where we will be his people. What an inheritance we have waiting for us, as long as we press on, persevere, and endure for Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you open the eyes of this dear flock this morning. Soften their hearts, open them ears to receive this word, to know that they have an inheritance waiting for them that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading for the elect. Lord, I pray that you help me this morning. Help my lisping, stammering tongue. Let me be clear in my communication, not for my glory but for yours this morning. Lord, if I look like a fool in the eyes of man, so be it if you bring anyone to Jesus Christ and that you strengthen us in Jesus Christ this morning, I pray. To you, Father, be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So although church... The Apostle John was the one recording these words in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. In reality, as Revelation chapter 1, verse 2 points out, he's actually bearing witness here to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And thus, it's Jesus Christ here in verse 8 who tells the Apostle John to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, the words of the first and the last who died and who came to life. Because Jesus Christ wants this church in Smyrna to know that this is ultimately a message, verse 8, from the first and the last. As in from the one who is eternal, abiding, never ending, and never ceasing. And not only that church, but also from the one, verse 8, who died and who came to life. Therefore, what we ultimately need to recognize here is that this is a message, church, from our pierced, crushed, crucified, buried, resurrected, and glorified Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And thus, if he's got a message to share, then we best be listening. And this particular message that Jesus Christ wants to share, well, as previously noted, is addressed, verse 8, to the angel of the church in Smyrna, or likely to the elders and to the pastors of the church in Smyrna. 
A church, mind you, that possibly could have begun during Paul's lengthy stay while he was in Ephesus. For as Acts 19 tells us, that it was during this time when all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Nevertheless, what I really want us to grasp here about this church in Smyrna is that if you think doing ministry here in York, Pennsylvania is tough, well then try doing ministry in a place like Smyrna. A place where, as Daniel Akins points out, possessed pagan temples that were dedicated to the likes of Apollo, Aphrodite, Cybele, and Zeus. A place where emperor worship was running rampant and a place where a large and powerful Jewish population resided. Many of which, as we will see in verse 9, were content to slander these Christians in Smyrna. And thus, if you add all that up, church, it is easy to see why persecution and affliction, mistreatment and oppression, and even that of martyrdom were all distinct possibilities for those who made up the church in Smyrna. And yet Jesus Christ, who already, verse 9, knows all their tribulation, and who sees all their poverty, and who hears all the slander that is being thrown their way, he shares with them in verse 10, Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you might be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. In essence, informing this already persecuted church in Smyrna, that God, their heavenly father, that he is about to allow the devil, the tempter, the deceiver, the enemy, that wicked serpent of old to throw some of them into prison so that they may be tested even further for a season of tribulation. Which shouldn't really come as a surprise to us, church, that the children of God would indeed have to face trials of various kinds. For scripture clearly tells us that all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, 2 Timothy chapter 3. And thus it shouldn't be a surprise to us either as Christians living in America today that we are beginning to feel that pinch of pressure, if you will, that taste of tribulation, that drop of difficulty, that squeeze of scorn because of our position on sexuality, our view on gender, and our stance against abortion. Nor should we be shocked that as Christians who hold to a literal Adam, a virgin birth, a heaven and hell, a right and wrong, sin and death, wrath and grace, and a God-man who on the third day rose from the dead in order to save sinners from their very sins, that we are also now being viewed by the world as foolish, archaic, uneducated, old-fashioned, backwood Bible thumpers who either need to get on the right side of history or who need to be canceled at all cost. And furthermore, brother Christian, sister Christian, nor does it take a rocket scientist either to figure out that for the church in America today, that things are likely about to get far worse. And yet when Jesus Christ addresses this already persecuted church in Smyrna, A church, mind you, that had even more tribulations waiting for them on the horizon. 
Jesus' exhortation to them wasn't to run from those exhort or to run from those tribulations, nor was it to do everything in your power to escape those tribulations, nor was it to just give up hope, lose heart, and just allow yourselves to become part of the world so that you no longer need to endure those tribulations. But instead, Jesus Christ calls them in verse 10 to not fear what you are about to suffer, but to be faithful unto death, to be steadfast, to be loyal, dedicated, committed, resolute, and truly devoted to Jesus Christ, even unto death. Not just faithful to Jesus Christ all the way until your death, church, but faithful to Jesus Christ, even if the gospel leads to your physical death, even if the gospel church leads to that of martyrdom for that is how jesus christ unapologetically sincerely and quite candidly exhorted the church in smyrna here which leads to the question then for why on earth should we as christians then today be willing to keep the commandments of God, to love the word of God, to follow the will of God, to go where God wants us to go, to do what God wants us to do, and to walk unashamedly in a manner worthy of the calling to which we have been called by God, even to the point of death. In J.C. Ryle's book, Light of Old Times, he shares briefly about the light, uh, life of John Bradford, who was a preacher, martyred during the reign of Queen Mary, or better known as Bloody Mary. For he preached constantly in Manchester, Liverpool, Bolton, Bury, and Wigan, and with great benefit to the cause of Christianity, and with great effect on men's souls. The consequences, though, are what you might have expected. For within a month of Queen Mary's ascension, Bradford was in prison and never left until the day he was burned at the stake. From the day of his execution, he was led out from the Newgate prison to Smithfield at about nine o'clock in the morning amid a crowd of people as was never seen either before or after. Indeed, when he came to the stake, the sheriffs of London were so alarmed at the crowd that they would not allow him or the young man suffering, suffering with him to pray as long as they wanted. Arise, they said, and make haste, for the press of the crowd is too great. At their word, they both stood up upon their feet, and then Bradford took a bundle of sticks in his hands and kissed it. And so likewise the stake then he held up his hands and he looked to heaven and said, O England, England, repent thee of thy sins. Beware of idolatry. Beware of false antichrist. Take heed that they do not deceive you. After that, he turned to the young man who was about to die with him and said, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with our Lord on this night. After that, he spoke no more that man could hear except as he embraced the reeds and said, Straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few be there that find it. And thus, why exactly did Bradford here, and Stephen, and James the son of Zebedee, and Polycarp, Justin Martyr, Tyndale, Ridley, Latimer, 
Roland Taylor and John Rogers and all the other martyrs throughout the ages remain faithful to Jesus Christ, even to the point of death? And the answer is because they knew that those who remain faithful to Jesus Christ, even to the point of death, that Jesus Christ then, you know, the one who died and who came back to life, that he would never, ever then, church, allow them to be, verse 11, hurt by the second death. Meaning for those who fight the good fight, who wage the good warfare, and who don't make a shipwreck of their faith, but who instead continue to press on toward the goal for the prize of the upper call in Christ Jesus our Lord no matter this what this world has to throw our way that they would not be condemned in their sins and thrown into the lake of fire but would instead receive verse 10 the crown of life that being the gift Christian of eternal life Therefore, what we must keep at the forefront of our minds, Christian, is that no matter what suffering we may face today, tomorrow, or at any point in the future, for the sake of Jesus Christ, it is that beyond all of that, Christian, there is an inheritance, an imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance that is waiting for those willing to endure for Jesus Christ until the very end. Therefore, Therefore, let me lovingly encourage you, brother Christian, sister Christian, to focus your eyes today, tomorrow, and forevermore, not on the scene, not on the transient, not on the desires of the flesh, but to instead focus your eyes, your hearts, and your minds on the things that are unseen, on the promises of God, and on the gift of eternal life. Because when we grasp what we have in this gift of eternal life, we will consider the sufferings of this present time not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us and thus as we close this morning church the question then that remains is how then in this world can we as christians be faithful to jesus christ even in the face of suffering even when we are called bigots, and even when the world hates us and abhors us and absolutely despises us for our stances, our ways, and ultimately for our beliefs? And the answer to that question, church, do not compromise when it comes to Jesus Christ. Do not run to another religion in order to alleviate your suffering, for that way it only leads to destruction. And do not begin to follow the ways of the world in order to be celebrated by the world, for that way it only leads to death. But instead, since the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to eternal life, then you must be willing, brother Christian, sister Christian, as John Bunyan put it, to march right up that hill called difficulty and to endure the suffering to not surrender to the world and to be willing to be faithful to Jesus Christ even unto death. All while clinging to the promise, Christian, that this light and momentary affliction that we may have to face in the here and now, that it is producing for us an eternal way to glory that is far beyond comparison. Thus, resolutely, Christian, do not 
fear what you are about to suffer, but be willing to be faithful to Jesus Christ, even unto death, knowing that your King Jesus Christ will never let you perish, but instead will crown you, Christian, with the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we hear this over and over and over again. As we have this gift of eternal life for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that the individuals here realize the inheritance that we have in Christ Jesus. It is not that we get to escape hell and damnation and the wrath that we deserve for our sins. It's not just that we get to live forever. But this is eternal life, that we may know God and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent, that we would be able to dwell in the presence of our God in a new Eden, a new heavens and a new earth with him as our God and we as his people, without sin, without death, without tears and utter perfection of our God. That is the gift of eternal life. Thus let us keep eternal life at the forefront of our minds, pressing on and striving toward that. And sure, we may be picked on by the world. Sure, they may say mean things to us, consider us uneducated, this, that, and the other. But let us never give up the hope that we have in Jesus Christ his gift that he has given us, and he alone, that is that we will be with him eternally with our God. To you be the glory forever and ever, Father. Amen.